You're listening to the Fayetteville 411 podcast produced by the City of Fayetteville, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services they provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. Thank you for joining us for the Fable 411. I'm Gab Mac Roberts. And I'm Sherry Kropp, and we're your hosts for the podcast. The Fable 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fayetteville, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fayetteville. Well, for today's guest, we got a very special guest. I've worked with them over many years now, Scott Bullard. He's the Emergency Management Coordinator for the Fable Fire Department. He plays a very vital role uh, with our city and in our community anytime a storm or an emergency hits. Um, tell me a little bit. Well, first, welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about your role as emergency management coordinator and what it is that you do for the city? Sure. Um, my role is actually housed within the fire department, but I look after the interest um, citywide. Um, we have an ordinance in place that allows my position to function with a certain level of authority because there are things that that are required to execute certain decisions and processes and, and put things in place when some sort of disaster emergency actually occurs. Um, there's a lot of coordination and really partnership and stakeholder building that's a part of the position. Um, fortunately, an emergency is not happening 24 hours a day, so we have time to to plan and prepare for certain things. And, and really, it, it's a juggling act of resources and plans and having things in place um, when things happen. I worked with you for many years uh, in the EOC, uh, down at the county, uh, during the emergencies and responding. How is this year looking like? How is the response this year going to be different um, versus years past when we have something like uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic? Well, I would say we're still on an incredible learning curve um, with COVID-19, um, not only from the barriers that are necessary with social distancing and medi- mitigation measures, but it, it literally changes the whole form and format of, of how we do business. Um, the classic example right now that's on everybody's mind is our past um, general population and special medical sheltering practices. Um, They were once um, well mapped out, um, facilities were well designated with lots of space, but now we're finding in order to adapt to the COVID requirements, there's not nearly enough space, therefore there's not nearly enough facilities to do what was once commonplace. Um, There's also a huge twist in how we do business because we depend on volunteers to help out. Well, many of our volunteers through partner agencies um, are in the high-risk group for the virus. So they've elected to opt out, understandable. That's how you'd want to protect yourself. With that being said, we've lost that manpower towards, let's say, sheltering. So we're literally at at a crossroads now of what that sheltering would even look like. And there might be a situation, and the state's already done this, and, and I'll just throw their terminology out there. They have done reception centers So if a coastal hurricane was threatening the coast, they've designated some inland areas where you'd report to, and then they would help you decide where you're going and kind of control the flow so you just don't show up at Fayetteville and knock on the door and we have no place to put you. Um, That's probably been the most dramatic twist so far. Fortunately, we've been spared any hurricane damage, even though we've had a, a good dry run of what that looks like. 
Is this a situation that kind of keeps you up at night? Um, it, it's troublesome in that it's not in the playbook. It's not something we've run across. Um, I, I think there's a level of uncertainty there um, that, that certainly would keep me up at night. But uh, I have an incredible team. We've got a lot of depth on the bench. And, and that eases a lot of the anxiety. Um, having lost a lot of this volunteer support, though, that that's probably my biggest worry because a lot of our go-to people are just not in place. And uh, Scott, I know right now we are in hurricane season. Um, and whenever we have a storm like that that's come through, and we've had a couple, um, there's a lot of moving parts that go on behind the scenes. There's a lot of city departments that are working together. There's a lot of collaboration between the county, Red Cross, and other organizations. Um, talk about some of the things that happen behind the scenes. Oh, sure. And, and many of the city departments have a team approach to many of the things they do. For instance, um, well before the storm happens, there's a notice of looking at um, stormwater collection areas, um, stormwater drains, and those sorts of things. If there's trouble, um, the biggest thing is getting re it reported, and that can be just a handshake with the neighborhoods among um, our citizens themselves, be they neighborhood watch groups or just a cul-de-sac full of neighbors. Um, as the different services make their rounds, probably the one that people would identify most with would be solid waste because they're picking up trash and collecting it on a schedule. They look for things like that. Um, so it, it's almost like a full court press to steal the basketball analogy at those precious days when we know something might be coming. Um, even such that we move recycling and trash pickup. That way it gets the cans out of the way. They can't be blown around or, or cause um, things that can be simply prevented. Um, beyond that, though, things get deeper. Um, we, we kind of know where many of the flood-prone areas are within the city, and we ask people that are new here to, by all means, check into what GIS publishes because they put the maps up so people can find their address, simply type it in, and it tells you if you're in the floodplain or not, because we realize we have a lot of people um, that cycle in and out of the community, not only military-related, but just with life, um, whether job or education or whatever takes you through Fayetteville. Um, and, I, and I think that's a big help. Um, we've got a Fayfixit app that helps with some of those trouble spots that we might not have been aware of. And then once we finally get to the storm point, um, my, my favorite example is when we have trees and things down, we have Parks and Rec coming together with, with solid waste because they have the knuckle boom trucks that can pick up what's been sawed up and open up roads and things that might be blocked. So there's a constant partnership. It's, it, it's easy to kind of focus on fire and police and emergency medical services, but it's really a whole team of responders. It sure is, and I know that um, there's a lot of planning ahead of time, um, and some of the departments, I mean, they're working 24 hours a day just to, to plan ahead of time, and then, of course, after the storm for the cleanup and things like that. They are, and we have a community that is, is just so strong in terms of checking on neighbors and things that they extend our reach as first responders first and foremost, and that really is a help. 
And then we always try to get out uh, as much information as possible um, beforehand. Um, we use um, the city social media platforms, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, and also um, Fay TV. We try to get all of that information out to help our residents prepare before the storm. That's kind of one of the three pillars that we challenge residents and business owners and everybody else within within the limits and in, in our surrounding Cape Fear region is that we really need you to stay informed and that, that takes care of that pillar. And then we need to pe people to come up with some sort of plan. Like in these circumstances, um, you have to plan to go possibly stay with family and friends where in the past you might have counted on a shelter. And then ultimately the, the third pillar of, of the three is having a kit and the supplies you need to do either that evacuation or if you're sheltering in place at home, there are things that you're going to need. And that actually was going to be my next, very next question was about talking about uh, what can residents do to prepare for this season. Uh, you, we touched a little bit on 72-hour kit. Um, I know in the years past, we've always preached to the community that it's very important to be prepared to um, take care of yourself for 72 hours until um, resources can start opening up because sometimes storms can really uh, slow down that response. Um, you touched a little bit about making um, a plan uh, to maybe stay with friends or someplace else, especially if you're concerned about COVID. What else? Is there anything else that a resident can do to help be prepared? Sure. I, I think the character of that notion, I, I don't want to call a kit a trunk or a box or something because sometimes that's unfair that you might not be able to get it all in something that you, that you would then be strong enough to pick up. But I, I think suffice to say, um, whatever container system you use and however you collect things, to make sure you cover everything um, from your personal medications that you might have to looking after even the pets, whether they have medicines or special foods or, or, or anything in between. Um, the biggest thing though with the kit we've seen this year, and this is new to all of us, is having room for hand sanitizer, wipes, mask, and things that we've never traditionally put in them before. Um, outside of maybe having a small child, Baby wipes might have been in them before now, but now we need the Lysol wipes and the hand sanitizer and things that we've never even thought about before. And we want to make sure that people always have um, batteries. Always have your phones charged up before the event um, because in, in case of loss of power, you won't be able to charge those because most of the time people are going to get their information um, from their phone or social media and things like that. Right, and there are many clever products out there now that uh, people need to take a look at. Um, from the boxes that people used to jump their cars off with, they have gone from the size of a suitcase down now to almost the size of your phone. And the secret behind that is if you have one of those devices and you keep it charged, it'll power your phone too. Mm -hmm. And how much water supply should people have to be prepared? We want at least a gallon per person per day. But now we're starting, once we do the math and you have more than one or two people at home, that gets to be a shelf full of water jugs. And we realize that, but um, nonetheless, it'd be a good idea to store it up. I know it's hard to transport it. That's why I say a box may not fit all the needs. Um, some people take the approach, they get these big job site coolers. You see the orange ones on these service trucks. I've seen them do that. Um, that works. I know whenever we have a storm, we always fill up our tubs with water just so uh, 
while we might not be drinking it, we can use it for uh, still using the restrooms and stuff like that because if water gets cut or it has to be cut because of a spill or contam potential contamination, you still have a supply. But it kind of kind of leads me up, but we only got a few minutes left in our show. But what's some other things a person can do around the house to help prepare before a storm? I know, like, we had a storm recently. Sherry had her uh, limbs cut down because it, was, it looked like it was about to take out her fence. What are some other things people can be mindful of? Absolutely. Um, this time of the year, you got patio furniture that's probably spread out or just lawn furniture of whatever particular um, purpose um, that needs to be gathered up. We touched on trash cans, recycling bins, whatever they might be. Those are the little things that can be taken care of before something um, comes along. Um, if you have a, a home improvement project or something going on, don't forget the building materials because they can be blown into into the good part of the house and, and destroy and tear up things. And, and many of the people that are maybe new to a neighborhood, first-time homeowners or something, they haven't um, considered the flooding situation that might be common to that neighborhood. And it literally could be something that just jumps the curb. So you might, I'm not saying you have to have sandbags, but sometimes you might need something to divert a little water with. And I think that kind of brings up, too, I know another thing we're always reminding people is if you see a clogged storm drain or, or leaf debris or pine straw, uh, go ahead and clean up. Because we do send around the vehicles, but we can't get everywhere um, uh, in a very short amount of time. So if you see it, it helps us a lot to help clear that out. It, it does. And, and you're literally helping somebody else downhill. And that's what we have to remind people of. Somebody's going to catch the water after it leaves us. So we want to use the stormwater collection system as much as we can and alleviate any more misery than what the storm causes. And Scott, to wrap up, um, it's very important for people to have a plan. So where can uh, someone go? Is there a website? I believe um, ready.gov has information on how to make a plan. Ready.gov is the one-stop shop for about everything you would need. Okay. And, and, and the city partners with the county too as well for the red alerts system about that too yeah we always want to make a plug for cumberland alerts because it is a mass notification system that is subscription based so if you don't put your name into the system then we have no way of reaching back to you excellent well i think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the fable 411 scott i want to thank you for coming on and sharing uh, a lot of insights and uh, a little bit about uh storm season especially this time of year uh be sure to subscribe to radio fable the city of fables podcast channel as we provide shows like this and other timely and informative updates every week you can subscribe to radio fable on apple itunes the itunes podcast app as well as the google play music podcast portal you can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fable has to offer by downloading the Fade TV streaming app, available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can also view all of our video content by visiting FadeTV.net. To get information about city services, go to our webpage at FableNC.gov. Thanks for joining us.